Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. How many of you enjoyed this series on identity? Good. Well, some of you have complained because you don't like my PowerPoint. I don't take criticism well, but what do you mean, no? I take criticism real well. And I just said to Susie, man, man, the guy was rough the other night. Man, they just kind of chopped up my boring PowerPoint, and and I looked for some relief from your helpmate, and she's like, I told you it was boring. <laughs> so I'm going to – so so I was trying to put more notes behind the scenes and kind of do – I, I don't know. I'm trying to – I do PowerPoint because, to me, it's life-changing stuff that you've got to go back to the Bible and get. So, because I can find a rabbit trail. Squirrel. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I, I had a uh, an older lady one time in Western New York. She says, I hate prophetic preachers because you guys go, squirrel. She says, but you're different. So why? She says, you always catch the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, so so, and that actually ministered to me. So if I'm going to go on a rabbit trail, I want to make sure I catch the rabbit for you. And so that I have tried to do that, and I don't do a very good job of that. So that's the reason I do PowerPoint. But this this is a very serious um, teaching for me because I believe that if we don't figure out who we are in Christ, we're not going to make it in the next season. Living in the power of the new creation. Now, the first, first week we, we taught about dead to sin and a new operating system. The second week is you're free from the law, but you must live under the law of the Spirit. So are you, are you under the law? See, the, see, the religious was like, I'm not under the law. Yes, you are. You're under the law of the Spirit, not the letter of the law. If you don't understand that principle right there, you'll be stuck in churchism and not the kingdom. Because without the spirit, you won't even walk in the kingdom or the principles of the kingdom or know the kingdom. And the problem, we've given, had people come and give their, their heart to the church and missed Christ. Because we haven't taught them about the kingdom. It, it, the doorway is the spirit realm, is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, you must be born again. That's being born again. Okay, reborn. You must be reborn to see the kingdom. There's a lot of people who've seen the kingdom, but because they have resisted the Holy Spirit, they're not in the kingdom. That was good. Thank you. All three of you. Uh, Then I spoke about uh, the warfare, flesh versus spirit. Dude, that's that's real. And then I spoke about the mystical union with Christ. Today, uh, I'm going to teach about living in the power of the new creation. Um, See, that rabbit trail. 
who I am in Christ. The greatest need in the church today is to be able to fully and clearly answer the question to ourselves and others, who am I in Christ? What is my identity and what is the Father's ultimate purpose for me? Romans chapter 6. Paul goes on to show what is the absolute impossible, absolutely impossible to continue to sin, to glorify God's continual forgiveness. Because we are in Christ, in his death and resurrection. Okay? All right, we're going to look at three words today in Romans 6. Over the, the next two weeks, we're going to show, I'm going to show you the open reality of what Christ paid for you. We're going to look at one word today, two words next week. I want to start reading with this six one here, um, and and we'll go into. I'm going to look at several different. I've looked at several different translations, and we're just going to kind of tear it apart. Now that, now what is our response to be? And this is like the Phillips and the message combined. I can create my own version if I want. Now, what is our response to be? To the fact that the more we sin, the more God covers it up with his grace. To the fact that God is not dealing with us based on our performance. He is dealing with us based upon Jesus' performance. Are we supposed to persist in sinning and seek, and seek fulfillment in our old patterns of behavior to see how far we can exploit the grace of God? I think we've done that. How is it possible for us, being the reborn people that we are, who have been separated once for all from the sinful nature to live any longer in sin's grip? What you don't you know that? That's what he's asking. Don't you know that? Do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. How many are are born again here? Do you realize, don't you know, you were baptized into his death and his resurrection? Paul's saying, don't you know? He's writing to the Christian church. People that are born again, and and here's what he's saying. I'm seeing your behavior, and you don't know something. Your behavior is not lining up with what you're supposed to know. Don't you know? You've been baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptism also into his death. The three words will open up a whole world of living the Christian life. No, for the first word is what we're going to look at. Next week, we're going to look at two other words. Consider, and some of the other translations is reckoning, and present yourself. Here's the problem. We've been considering stuff without knowing something. This is a personal message for me because I was born and raised in church. Said the sinner's prayer, believe I had fire insurance, 
But until 1993, did I have a complete surrender, and I knew some things after that. And once you know, you can't take it away from me. I had someone say, look at me, who do you think you are? You know what your problem is? Well, I I know who I am, and I know who's in me. The problem is, is you don't know that I know who's in me. You're the problem, buddy. It went over well. No is the first word that Paul uses to describe the actually putting into practice our new life in Christ. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Listen, how many of times have you heard, um, you know, wah, 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 from somebody? It's, it's, it's the Israelites murmuring for, murmur, you know, a million murmuring Israelites. The Jews just murmuring through the wood. Murmur, murmur, murmur. It's like, dude, would you shut up and die? Because dead people don't whine. If you're always bitching and belly aching, you ain't dead. I say that. I did say that. But doggone it. I, that wasn't in my notes, Rodney. Dang you. All right. Many people have it in their head. If only I could be prayed for by the right person. If only I can get my osmosis of spiritual zapping from somebody. Come on, I've done that. I've, I've driven 120 miles to have a man lay hands on me. So I could shake, rattle, and roll. The problem is I didn't get up changed. If you, if only it will somehow rub off on me, then all this incredible life of the New Testament will become mine. You have to know the truth before the truth can set you free. To know, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. Some of you need some intimacy with God and know some things. That was good. That wasn't in my notes either. Listen, your, your, mind, is, 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 your mind is the valve. We let stuff in, we let stuff out, but I'm telling you, when you don't know who you are in Christ, your valve is broken. Your filter is clogged because you have the wrong perspective of who you are. What did Paul want them to know? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So are you dead? Hmm. In other words, when we were baptized, we went into the tomb with him and joined him in death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glory, we too might live a new life. This, this is the tense of this verb is that it's already happened. So if you're born again, it's a done deal. This has already happened. If this has already happened and you're dead, why are we wrestling? 
dead man don't wrestle. He didn't even say, Paul said, hey, he didn't say, hey, Christians, why don't you go pray about this? Hey, pray about maybe figuring out if you're dead to Christ, you know, and all that. He didn't say, go pray about it. He said, listen, once you know, you'll realize you're dead. And when you live, it's in Christ. All right. We have been baptized and we're baptized. Listen, every place my head goes, my body goes. Everything I think in the history of my head, my body feels. I have not been beheaded, and neither has the body of Christ. Catch this. Everything that my head has experienced, so has my body. The, the lady, Robin, that was here last Sunday that prophesied, she does all that crazy stuff and spent some time with her, and she became a spiritual daughter. And I realized last week I had made a statement that I needed some more spiritual kids. I need a new batch is what I said. And some of the batch that I have heard me say that and think they felt rejected. <laughs> You're getting rid of us? No, I want you to grow up <laughs> so I can get a new batch. She, she, she came and she does, I don't know, body memory stuff. And it's kind of weird, kind of like Beverly. And basically she said, every memory you're ha you have is still in your body. And sometimes you got to go back to, to those bad memories and pour the blood of Jesus on it and change your thoughts. Oh, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And she did some weird body testing and. I guess I was saved. She just wants to be in relationship with us. So, you know, but, but what she was saying is your body, your physical body remembers things from your childhood. And sometimes you'll hear a word, you'll hear, hear a situation and you'll respond. You'll trigger to it. That's part of inner healing. But, but here's the thing is if we are the body of Christ, everything in Jesus's history is now mine. You can't, you, you can't take it and separate this thing now. Are you in Christ? Is he the head? Everything he's done, everything he's had in history is now me. You can't separate it. Everything my head has been, my body has been there too. If my head is in New York, so is my body. If my head comes back from New York, so is my body. If not... I've been beheaded. The two are one in every way. He abides, he abides in us, and we abide in him. Christ died and overcame sin, death, and the devil. Jesus now lives in the power of the endless life. We are literally joined to him, and you're hearing it twice now, so it's been repeated. And the history becomes our history. We have now overcome sin, death, and the, and, and the grave. So much Paul could say, I was crucified with Christ. How, how many times have you ever heard, read that scripture and you're like, what does that really mean? I was crucified with Christ. I no longer have a sin problem. Did he take on the sins of the world? 
So then you don't have a sin problem. You have an identity problem. You don't know who he is, and you know who you are. <sighs> Look how an astronaut can survive. And we got Kennedy Space Center here. Those big rockets go off and goes into a completely different atmosphere. Right? They're up there in outer space with no air walking or no air walking around in outer space floating around. Why? <clears throat> we live in this world of death and pollution. To breathe this air is death, and yet we live in heaven where we have a spacesuit of heaven. You are dual dimensional. He has designed you to sit in both places. Because of Christ, I have a heaven suit. And I can sit in heaven. And I can reign and rule. And I can do what the head says I can do. We have been, become partakers of the divine nature. We have become sons and daughters of the king because of this new birth. Jesus is our elder brother. Jesus is the head. We are, <clears throat> we are each members of his body. The body shares equally in the same state of being as the head. If the head is rich, so is the body. All the blessings that Jesus earned by his obedience is ours because we are in him. We have been joined to his history. We share in his death and resurrection and ascension. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where's heaven? <laughs> you want a little heaven? Rub the Buddha belly. He's here. He's in your innermost being. He's spirit. Spirit has included you into the history of Jesus. You have died with Christ and risen with him. You now have seated with him in heavenly place in the spirit realm of the spirit. You don't need hands laid on you to get it. Supposedly, I came over to Rodney. Who's sitting down and I said would you sit down every week I was like Rodney sit down have you tried sitting down when you're sitting down that's why most Christians get frustrated because you're trying to sit down and you're already sitting down you're trying to be holy and you're already holy you're trying to be righteous and you're already righteous then you get frustrated and you start doing works to prove that you've already gotten it. So why are we trying to be supernatural when we're supernatural? Oh, I think I'm going to be supernatural today. What, have you been brain dead for the last 20 years you've been serving Jesus? Of course you're supernatural. I mean, we're laughing at this, but what? Are we? Oh, I need to get close to God. Really? Uh, he's right here. How much closer can you get? 
The, re the religious spirit makes you try to get through effort what Christ has already given you by gifting. His gift to you. The never-ending altar call. God, this is the story of my life. Every time there was an altar call for sin, Charlie Coker would run to the altar. Somebody would pray with me, would grab the horns of the altar, and I'd pray in tongues if that's what they wanted to hear. I would do whatever. One day I overheard this person say to my father, you know, he goes down to the altar every single week. And dad goes, one of these days it's going to stick. <laughs> but I was always, because I, I, I was battling on my old nature. I was battling my behaviors. I was bad. I didn't know who I was. Then in 1993, I finally surrendered 100% to Jesus Christ. 100%. I no longer went to the altar and said, Lord, I, my behavior is bad. Will you forgive me of my sin? Lord, there's, there's something wrong here. I can't live right. I was in the middle of a divorce. I know it's hard to believe Susie didn't like me. <clears throat> Could it be I didn't like myself? I knelt down at the pool table, 2.30 in the morning, in the middle of a divorce. I said, if you're the God of my mother, she said you had power. If you're that God, and you have power, real power, creative power, if you will give me a new heart, Then I'll serve you. Because I am a liar. I am a cheat. I'm corrupt and I'm evil. And if I don't get a new heart, I can never serve you. See, I'd always heard about him, but I didn't know him. That night I stood up going, this is the most honest prayer I got. A lightning bolt went off in the room. And through this brightest light, Jesus came out of this bright light. He stood in front of me, put his hand out. And he says, Charles Leighton Coker Jr., if you put your hand in my hand, I'll never leave you, forsake you, or I'll let hell have its way with you. I saw hell. I smelled hell. All of a sudden, there was something in my knower. I had just met a king who held life and death in his hands. And wisdom, you know, the fear of God brings wisdom. It's pretty good wisdom. I chose Jesus. From that moment on, I didn't have to say, if you're the God of my mama, if you're the God of some prophet, if you're the God of Elijah, nah, I knew him. He became my God. And then we started working on some stuff. And I'm good at working on stuff. But the, the never-ending altar call quit. As a believer, your whole existence depends on Jesus. Every part, big and small. All your relationships, interactions, dreams are done with a consciousness of you in him and him in you. 
Apart from Jesus, I am nothing and I can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, I have no history with God and no hope for living the Christian life today. Did you read that? Apart from Jesus, I have no history with God and no hope of living the Christian life. I'm not trying to imitate Jesus in my own strength. I understand Paul's word. For me to live is Christ. Do you know who you are? The Christian life is not about you giving it your best shot and some help from God. It's about knowing that Christ lives within us. And we draw upon his infinite life in every situation we find ourselves in. You face situations in your home and you can't stand coming home. Heard that this week. A sinful habit you can't seem to break. A sickness where there is no hope. A difficult person. A lack of provision. And from your heart you say, Jesus, I can't. But you can. And that is all I need to know. Let's go do it. When your revelation of who he is comes to the fullness of what it's supposed to be, your weakness will become his strength. You'll quit relying on your strength, and you'll understand your weakness, and then you'll rely on his strength. Jesus told people who had the power to kill him, nobody takes my life from me, I lay it down. (laughs) So who can kill me? Besides Susie. She does have a concealed weapons permit. They were going to throw him off a cliff, part of the crowd, and walk through him. No matter what sickness or disease a person brought to him, needed money to pay taxes, food food shortage for 5,000-plus people, he dipped into another realm of abundance and pulled out the solution. He wants you to know who you are in him. And if that is his history, that's my history. Dave was going to fight the giant Goliath. His brother said, go back and tend your few sheep, you little conceited jerk. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? who would defy the armies of the living God. Did you hear David's response to his brother's ridicule of him? Somewhere along the line, his brothers were just punks, trying to intimidate somebody who understood a covenant with God. And because, listen, you can't challenge somebody like a Philistine who doesn't, who is uncircumcised, who doesn't have a God, unless you understand your covenant first. You have a covenant with the living God. And when you understand that, you know in your knower, you, God's going to have you stand up to a few giants. The first ones will be in your life. See, we want to kill the giant out there because it strokes our ego. What about the giant in here? Who is this guy? He doesn't have a covenant. I've got the covenant. Romans 6, 5. 
and I lost it somewhere. You have become a part of him. You have been joined with Christ. You have become one with him. You have been united with him, and so you died with him. So to speak, when he died, and now you share his new life and shall rise as he did. Those are three versions. You realize dead people don't have problems. Every time you give yourself the right to have a problem and you start worrying about it, you're starting to deal with it in your own strength. Jesus, I have been united with you. I never have to face anything alone. I have the resurrected Christ living on the inside of me. This problem is yours. Do you know what will happen? Not always. You will begin to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. You will see the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I consider myself to have died, and now I am enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. <laughs> That's a pretty good version. You know the truth that all the fullness of the Godhead lives with inside you, and you are complete in him. You have to love Paul's thought in Philippians 4.13. <laughs> I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses my inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Doesn't mean that you'll get a pass on things that are pressure and threats and discomforts. It just mean you can it just means you can win. I went through bankruptcy in 2009. There was a season I couldn't rub two nickels together. There was a season that God deemed it necessary to put pressure on me and Susie. I had battled in business several times not going bankrupt. And one time I was battling that and... I was asking God for the wisdom to manage my business and not go bankrupt. And, and, and he says, I can't help you. Why? He says, because you've judged everybody else that has ever gone bankrupt. And I realized that I had a judgmental, hypocritical spirit that I accused you if you ever went bankrupt. You didn't work hard. You were dumb. You, you know, I gave you no grace, and, and that was my makeup. And I realized that because of that mentality, not everybody's using bankruptcy as an excuse. And I had to repent. And I actually repented for accusing everybody that went bankrupt as lazy shysters. And I remember repenting for that because that was my view because I was a workaholic, and I always made things happen, and I was at the point of bankruptcy. And when I repented and took the paperwork out of the enemy's hands, I felt release 
And God gave me strategies, and I managed to survive for another five years, six years. Be careful what you judge. Because the way you judge and what you judge is actually what will come and judge you. The Lord said to me, he says, uh, what kind of judge do you think I am? What do you mean? He says, there's only one judge on these cases, and it's either me or you. Which one is it? But when this bankruptcy came to me and Susie, the Lord said, you can't be in business and ministry at the same time for a season. Choose. I had been given a promise about a, two gifts from God that when I came to maturity that I would be part of a move of God. When he asked me what gifts I wanted, the first thing I said, well, give me the wisdom of Solomon. He goes, no, ding dong, a gift. I said, I want a custom Harley and a blue face Submariner Rolex. I've told that story for 16 years, and I think my wife actually thought that was just some pipe dream. 16 years later, having to make a decision about business and ministry. In July of that year, the guy goes, hey, I'm going to China for a few years. You know, the worst thing you could do with a Harley is let it sit. Here's the title to my red custom Harley. Hmm. Coming up to Christmas, business is tanking. Things are there. I know I got to make a decision. I said to Susie, when we get back from vacation, you're going to choose whether we stay in business or ministry because there's a season I can't do both. The Lord said, if I stay in business, he will make me a paymaster to the next move of God. I like money. That's what it was. It was the promise. But he says, I said to her, but if I stay in ministry, He'll make me a leader in a move of God. I said, but you're going to choose. Because if I tell you and you don't like it, oh, heck. You choose. I'll do either one. Three days before we went on the air, got on the airplane to go, guy shows up and gives me a blue face on my Rolex, $12,000 watch. said, God told me that you have the sons of Issachar anointing. You understand the times and seasons. I said, that's me. He said, God told me to give you this. What's ironic is we came home and Susie said, listen, I've been married to you when you were miserable. I ain't going to be married to you when you're miserable. And if there's a move of God coming, paying money's not your, your gig. You want to be in the middle of it. You want to lead it. You want to be part of it. So let's just trust God and do ministry. For the first time, the sting of bankruptcy didn't hurt. I got accused of people, but by then everybody was going bankrupt. It was, it was the new fad. But in my heart, I felt like Jesus. Yeah, I went bankrupt. But I chose to go bankrupt. 
I could have chose to stay in business. He said he would have prospered me. But there was something in me that allowed me to go bankrupt without shame. It helped me deal with the shame of bankruptcy. Because I chose it. Came out of that season where we had about four years we couldn't pay attention. Never missed a house payment. God started prospering us when I went back into business. And my friend Brian Higby kind of took care of me in ministry, had me come preach, and just blessed us. And finally started getting cash. And I'm like, Susie, can I, can I, can I just fund a weekend with my friend. So we booked the tickets and I booked a hog hunt, a wild boar hog hunt on Thursday and a deep sea fishing trip out of Sebastian on Friday. I paid for everything. Well, I haven't hog hunted in years. So I hired a guide who knew where the hogs were if we did a morning hunt or the evening hunt, and it was funny. I don't know if you've seen Brian Higby. He's a fat boy, and we were both up in a tree together, a big tree. But no, it wasn't that big. I'm telling you, we were up in this big old tree stand, and the wind is blowing, and we're going, woo. <laughs> I'm thinking, we're going to die. But what I'm saying is I had to hire a guide because I haven't been hunting in years. I didn't. I didn't have a... I used to have property, used to have know where they were at. So I hired a guide. I also hired a guide to know where we were going to go fishing, where they were biting for the in this season. Uh, we went meat fishing in the morning, got grouper, I mean, got snapper, yellowfail. I hired a guide. I rented a boat, hired the guide. Why? Because I needed wisdom that I didn't have. I'll never forget Brian Higby's, you know, he's from New York and they freshwater fish and that's a big fish. I'm like, really? So we go to the inlet, we catch a, I don't know, 10, 12 pound amberjack or jack. And the guy cuts the tail of this fish off. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, dude, this ain't the fish. This is the bait. So we go to the mouth of the inlet, and Hig, Higby's, he's a big boy, man, and he hooks a 350-pound grouper, a Goliath grouper. And Higby was like reeling, and I'm yelling at him. His wife's name is Janice. Janice, quit reeling. I mean, I'm just yelling at him because he's, 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 and we catch this huge fish. And it was one of the best experiences and weekends we had. But listen, I had to hire a guide in both areas, one for hunting and one for fishing. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. It's no different. He's our guide. He knows where all the truth is. 690 Rhode Island Avenue, Orange City. I went by there this morning because yesterday I was getting a a massage. I recommend massages, 90-minute ones. 
It's interesting. This lady has done maybe three times she's given massages. She starts giving me a massage and God starts talking. I see a picture of her represented a, a, a movie star and who she is, the, the, the girl who married um, Prince Harry. I'm like, what is that? And the Lord says, she's royalty. Oh, so I throw a couple little baits out and sure enough, she's born again. And we start all this conversation, all this prophetic stuff. And, and I keep seeing this, she's royalty. Okay. And I, I didn't go there. Her, her last name is, uh, I don't know, Jeffries or some French name. I don't know her last You know, the lady who does massage. But as I'm leaving, witnessing to her, loving on her, having encounters with God, I find out her license is actually the same last name as the, as the actress. I'm like, man, that would have been really cool if I would have just prophetically said that. Lord says, I didn't really want you to be cool. I really wanted you to say what you said. By the way, I was talking to you more than I wanted you to talk to her. What I was doing, I was getting a download of 690. Rhode Island Avenue. 690 Rhode Island Avenue was the business that I owned, the building that I bought when I went bankrupt. My business was at 147 North Industrial Drive, and I worked my butt off, man. Built it up, started making money, and then God spoke to me one day. He said, it's time to move. I'm like, what? And I was moving to 690 Rhode Island Avenue. And I took all of my business paperwork, and I gave it to the banker because I needed to borrow like hundred grand for this build-out and this process and I rented it for a while, and then I then I bought it. I woke up that Monday morning that I was supposed to meet with the banker. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, your banker is a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God. He's an apostle over finances. Here's what I want you to tell him as soon as you walk in the door. Walk in the door. I was like, hey, I was praying this morning. I understand that you're a minister with the Assemblies of God. You carry credentials. He goes, I do. I said, you're an apostle over finance. Here's my deal with you. Last year, God had me give and give and give and give. And to the point where I felt like he was trying to make me go bankrupt because he was getting the love of mama out of my heart. But it's a new season. And God told me to tell you, I'll submit to you on the giving that I give out of my company. Not my personal. Anything I bring home, I tithe, I give. That's mine. But out of my company, I will no longer give unless you approve of it. I, I'm thinking maybe, you know, I threw a number out. He goes, excuse me just a minute. He goes, and all of a sudden, the president of the bank comes in, sits down, and he goes, you're serious? I said, yeah. And he goes, man, we, we went over all your fine. We weren't going to loan you a dime. You have given so much money away that we think you are financially unhealthy. And he said, D don't you, do you go to Daytona City Church under Rodney? I said, yeah. And he goes, I know who you are. And he said, we'll loan you that money. We want a piece of that. This is God. So 690 Rhode Island Avenue was 
I did the build out. I was dreams and promises of huge success in business. And so our grand opening was September 11th, 2001. Anybody know what happened on 2000? So nobody went to a light grand opening of a lighting store when 9-11 hit. See, this morning I went by there because yesterday as I was preparing all this, a few months ago Susie sent me to um, an air conditioning supply store that is now in that building to get some weird-sized air vents. I didn't want to go on that property. It was painful to look at the lights that I had installed in the front. To look at the driveway I put in the back so I could come in and out of my office without people knowing I was in the front showroom. And it was painful. And yesterday, when he says that I have his history, if he's my head, I have all of his history, then why is your history messing with you? And I realized my history was messing with me. And I went back, and this morning I walked. When I was there, we were the only building on that whole industrial drive. And I can remember God speaking to me about, you preach light. The Light, light Source Ministries was my, my original ministry name. I'm in the lighting business. He says, you're going to preach the light. The, the business next door was a, a, a carpet store, covering uh, floor covering store. And I would walk down that road. There was a cell tower there. And God would speak to me. I'm going to teach you how to communicate with heaven like a cell tower. I'm going to teach you how to preach the light like a lighting store. And I'm going to teach you to cover people like a flooring store. And I can remember living and walking down that road and praying my ministry and fighting the devil, wearing myself out, working myself to the bone, not to go bankrupt, to be successful. We wound up buying four, uh, opening four other locations, employees the whole nine yards. For what? Now I go to buy air filters, and I want to cry. I went there this morning. I sat in the parking lot. And I'm proud of those light fixtures that I put on there that somebody now owns. I'm proud that I went through that. Because you know what? I'm still in the lighting business. I'm making more money now than I ever have in my life, and I ain't working nearly as crazy as I used to. For once in my life, I have people coming to me go, will you cover me? I got people coming to me, can you communicate with can you hear from heaven for me this morning i realized 
Everything he promised me, I now have. But what history am I going to pull on? It's interesting because it's, it's Baker Brothers uh, 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 HVA, you know, air conditioning supply, and the other business, which is actually with the, the portion that I owned, uh, is also an AC unit. They sell ACs and do this. And the Lord says, yeah, he says, he said, now that you've blessed him, I'm going to be, you're going to be able to change the atmosphere just like these AC guys. You're not going to have to work for that. You're just going to start changing atmospheres. If Jesus Christ is my head and he fed 5,000, if he healed the sick, cast out devils, then so can I. So can you. We don't have to wrestle with the enemy or your history. If you'll put his history is yours now. The problem is, is we don't want to face that bankruptcy pain. I felt like the Lord the Lord showed me that business thing. He, he said, I allowed you to go bankrupt. Because you're so intense. I, need you, I needed you to feel the pain of that bankruptcy. So that you would actually trust me. I'm like, you know, a good dream would have been a lot easier. Dang it. Here I am years later, realizing I struggled with a false identity. I got a new company with new objectives, new meanings. I sell new products. Instead of the works of the flesh, it produced the, I'm producing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm still selling lights, but I'm not loading them in a truck. I'm not driving all hours of the night. I'm not going to the job site. I'm still selling lights, but I'm doing it differently. I'm doing it with a grace on me. I have a new set of board members. Probably many of, the, of my departments still haven't gotten the message yet. This is a company called Charlie Coker. He went bankrupt. But it is he that lives in me. I'm producing something new. I'm able to look at my history and pull the pain that I went through when I toiled and I wrestled and I didn't understand. God said to me this morning, the pain that you have now feeling, I will turn into power in other people's lives. So if you've got pain in your history, Find out whose Jesus' history in that area was. Pull on that and turn that pain into power in other people's lives.
Yeah, I guess we could do that. My PowerPoint's gone. Dang it. See, that's why. Listen. Do you know? Do you know in your knower that he lives on the inside of you? Do you know in your knower that he's the head? And if the head has that history, and the head says that you can cast out devils, the head says that you can raise the dead, the, the head says, I can feed 5,000 with just a power of my prayer. That's mine. All of a sudden, the limits are off. The limits are gone. Until you know, you won't consider properly. Stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to everyone under the sound of my voice, present here, live stream, and even archived. I ask you to invade them in a dimension of knowing who you are, in a dimension of knowing without a shadow of a doubt, that they can do all things through Christ that strengthens them. This is not some pet scripture. We have to know. And I'm asking for the anointing and the encounter and the impartation of knowing who you are. We ask you to throw into the trash of everybody's mind that they think they know you from somebody else's event, somebody else's encounter, somebody else's philosophy. And we individually have got to know who you are, that we are hidden in you. But if we don't know who you are, we don't even know why we're hidden. I thank you, Father, for encounters that will blow up mindsets. I just heard the Lord say, when you have this encounter with me, I will destroy the kamikaze spirit that has attempted to destroy most of the works uh, that I've promises I've given my people. There's a kamikaze, there's the demonic kamikaze spirit that will, will die in your life when you know who he is. Because this demonic spirit will take the promises of God and you will abort and self-sabotage because you don't know who he is and you don't know who you are in him. I release these encounters. 
If you need to walk through a wall, if you need to have a prophetic dream, a prophetic vision, I'm telling you, do not seek someone to lay hands on you. Seek him to lay hands on you. This is the time and the season for my people to do great exploits. They will not do great exploits without knowing me or without without me. This is the time and the season to push in for a personal encounter with me, says the Lord. I break the fear of change. I hear God saying, some of you don't want that encounter because you're afraid what I'll change you into. I'm going to change you into my image. I'm going to change you into my likeness. I'm going to mold you into my purpose, not yours, says the Lord. I just need my people to hear. I just need to hear from my people a cry. I need to know you. And I will visit you, says the Lord. I just want to build a bridge um, for, you know, y'all have known me almost five years now in this church. And for 40 years, I tried to do it myself. And uh, part of not knowing him was trying in my own ability uh, to get to him. And I fell short. My strength was never enough. And I, I feel like in this room and in the body of Christ that we have this mentality that uh, we, can, we have to do more. You know, you can take away, you can hear this message through the paradigm of, or the lens uh, of your life. And, and, and the bridge to get to where Charlie's talking about is just surrender. It's yeah. just that simple. It's just surrendering to the Lord and allowing Him. See, it's a, you know, it's easier to surrender the the lives the the part of our lives that we have control over. It's the things that are out of control in our life that are hard to surrender. That was the difficulty for forty years. I wanted to get those things under control, so I, you know I could give God my best. The bridge to get to this place is just surrender. And I think it's the wrestle in the body of Christ right now. 
it's I, I think that's the real stronghold that we're struggling with is just the utter simple surrender just letting go I want to get I want to get to the place of power but I can't have power without surrender Jesus surrendered his place in heaven and came to earth because his father and him had made a decision before the foundation of the earth. He surrendered to the will of his dad. He surrendered. He came down. He didn't do anything that uh, his father in heaven didn't tell him to do. And I think we have sometimes some good ideas and some uh, great motivation or, you know, we have... Uh, like Charlie, we have we have, uh, or myself, we we have I- ideas or ideologies, and and sometimes the hardest part is just surrendering. <clears throat> Another thing that I heard is, uh, you know, in in the church, we're not known for our, much of our love. We're not known for loving. We're not known for loving one another very well. And I heard this young man this week, it was just the coolest little thing, that this revelation. You know, he said, the reason I judge other people is because I'm insecure about myself. And I don't know who I am. So this message to me was pretty relevant. I spent most of my life not knowing who I, who I was. I finally know that I'm a son. Just this last week, we were joking, in, or we were driving up to St. Augustine last Sunday, and my wife and Charlie were picking on me, and it was it was fun. It was, br- it was brutal. It was brutal. But you know, when we got all done, and it was it was done, in, it was done in jest. But there was no more sting in my life. For the first time in my life, I could say, you know, when they were making little pot shots, I, I used to have a sting there. You know, there was a little bit of a sting with those pot shots, and I didn't have a sting anymore. I looked at Charlie and I said, I know I'm different. I don't have a sting anymore. It, does, it doesn't hurt. Because I'm, I'm, I surrendered and let God heal these places in my life for the first time. I didn't want to surrender. I think some of you are wrestling with, I've got, I've got to find this healing on my own. I've got to get mentally stable on my own. And God is just asking you to surrender this morning. He's just asking you to surrender. I remember Mike Bickle said years ago, it takes God to love God. That's a big statement. It takes God to love God. It takes God to know God. And uh, so I just encourage you this morning, you want to build the bridge to get to this place, to get uh, all these different messages, I'm telling you, the key to success is surrender. It's just surrendering. The, the only thing that prevents us from surrendering is, is pride. It's just pride. I dealt with 40 years of pride. I could do it on my own. I could be self-sufficient. So just lay down this morning and surrender. And let let everything that He's been preaching these last few Sundays, let it become a reality in your life. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. Read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. 
Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.